Ah, f- flying the ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Is that part of the intro? <laughs> no. <laughs> Literally, it decided to go for an eyelash. Like, ah! Oh, dear. Right, okay. I'll, um, let's do this. Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration. The film podcast that strolls the pavements of cinema looking for the forgotten. Will we stumble across the movie equivalent of a crisp vintage tenpence? Or will we tread on one of those chalky white dog poos you don't really get anymore? I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. Hiya, fellas. Hello, Rob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see you both. How are you both doing? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Good, thank you. There was a little bit of lamentation there. Hi, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I was still laughing at the original wording of that intro, so... <laughs> One for the uh, FYR outtakes, yes. should they ever yes. be made public. <laughs> but you're both well, you're both all right. Yes, good, thank you. Great to be back. Yeah, it is, it's been a long time. Yeah, summer is uh, hellacious in terms of scheduling, yes. but I'm good too, thank you very much. Happy days. Are we now um, a monthly podcast? <laughs> just I know, we need we... to change our Twitter bio. To be... <laughs> yeah, we, when we, we there's can. no intention. <laughs> yes. yes. We'll do it as often as we can. Simon's decided to get married. It's really thrown our, our schedule out of whack for podcasts. <laughs> so he didn't think of the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do a record during the wedding. Yes. Uh, <laughs> good grief. Live from the wedding. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's crazy times. Um, but how are you, Rob? How are you, Robert? Oh, I'm very, very good. I think let's uh, uh, take this opportunity, I think. Um, this is the last time we're going to record before said nuptial feast. Um, wish you all, all the best for oh, the future, course, yourself yeah. and your good lady. Thank you. Um, I, uh, yeah, wish you years and years of happiness. Oh, that's lovely. That's I echo those sentiments. Cockles are warmed. Yeah. <laughs> I had some last week. They're absolutely amazing. Oh, do you like them? I've never tried them. They don't appeal. And I do like seafood as well. Oh, you love them, honestly. Uh, sometimes I get a buy a jar of cockles. Woof. Yeah. You stink for the rest of the day, but, you know, <laughs> price we have to pay. Um, what have you guys been watching? Uh, yes. So we're going to have a bit of a longer discussion about a film that we've all seen, haven't we? Because it pertains to blinking, huh? previous content on this very pod. Uh, but a quick couple that I'd just like to shout out. So, Rob, you'll be pleased to know I sort of took a uh, leaf out of your book with regards to viewing for my uh, youngest child. My only child, youngest, only child. <laughs> and we watched Raiders oh, for the first cool. time ever in glorious 4K as well. So in the best possible pristine oh. viewing experience that you could have. And my son, he absolutely dug it. I did have to sort of forward through the exposition at the university to begin yes. with. But once he's off on the on the adventure, yeah, it, it rattles along that movie at a tremendous oh, pace. It's, it's a beaut, isn't it? Um, and yeah, we got he dug it, we got to the end of it. Although rather cryptically at the end, he said, that was amazing, I'll never watch it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so I was pleased with the first part of that and then he didn't really elaborate on why he'd never watch it again but I think he was a little bit more scared than he let on with the Nazis face melting and, yes and yeah whatnot. that is pretty he didn't even cover his eyes he just watched it really like, oh god here we go potential <laughs> nightmare fuel here so based on that we're going to skip Temple of Doom because that is quite scary and go straight to the Last Crusade um, I think and uh, yes hopefully he'll He'll enjoy that as much. But yes, it went very well and he, he very much enjoyed it. Awesome. Uh, another one as well I just wanted to shout out is a film from the 70s called High Plains Drifter, which is this super nihilistic Clint Eastwood Western. 
and that would actually pair quite well with the the way of the gun if you wanted to do a double bill of movies featuring amoral, cruel protagonists who push the concept of anti-hero to the very limit. Absolute bastards all through that movie, <laughs> much like the one we're going to discuss in more detail later. So it's actually on Netflix here in the UK, High Plains Drifter. So you nice. if you haven't seen it, it's good. It's Clint's second film as a director, his first Western, and obviously he stars in it as well. Very good wow. stuff. Oh, Very nice. Stuff. I, I like a little 70s what show. What year is that from, then? 73, maybe? Wow. I'd have to double I've never heard it. of that. That sounds great. Yeah, it sounds incredible, actually. Amazing. Lovely stuff. Do love a bit of Clint. Still going. Beast. Still going. Beast, isn't he? Sai, what about you? What have you been watching? Oh, God, I've had a, a, a bountiful festival of movies since we last <laughs> spoke. Literally, as well. I, I, I had a trip to the inaugural London Action festival a couple of weekends ago you jolly did yeah i try i hijacked the account to send some pictures because i was so excited it was absolutely amazing um yeah so in, in, involved in that was a lovely original 35 millimeter print of conair oh. so like filled with all the scratches and, and and all stuff like that from the from the film and pop it popping and stuff like that just so good um with, with a q a from director simon west afterwards who is the funniest guy really an absolute legend he's really really funny um yeah knows how to how to work a crowd it was very good and he had a lot of good tales from conair which was great and then also a a really early morning screen of predator and then um a screen of diehard but which both had a q a with john mcturn and afterwards um who seemingly had a lot to get off his chest he was very (laughs) very you're very um you're very vocal about a lot of things um but yeah but bizarrely in the case of die hard the screening was preceded by um robert davy crooning around for like half an hour before this is incredible <laughs> it was it was so good because like you know he did that thing where they introduced him and you just heard the singing like i got you and everyone's like where is he? Where is he? And then he just like halfway through the song, just like came out of a door at the side, like oh. I've got you. <laughs> and, like, oh, you <laughs> and then he walked around and like crooned for a bit, and and everyone just expected like you know one or two songs. He's like, no, he did a full forty minute set <laughs> of crooning songs. No way. Like like good old Rat Pack tunes. Um, but it was great. It was it was really. It was a, a really bizarre way to open a film festival, but it was very entertaining, <laughs> and um, he was great. He had some great stories in between songs, and he does a great impression of Arnie. Oh, he really, really does, doesn't he? Arnie. Yeah, it was it was very good. But um, yeah, the Die Hard was 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 wicked. It was a very weird place to watch it. It was like the the National Geographical Society or something like that. It's like, <laughs> who decided? There's no pub within like a mile radius of the place, so you just like just gasping for a pint afterwards and having to walk for ages to find a pub. <laughs> um, but no, it was great. It was it was really good. And we did find the um, answer to the fucking annual debate of whether Die Hard's a bloody Christmas movie because McTernan himself answered that question. And he was he just went on this incredible waffling rant about the current state of the film industry, um, which started off from, like, 2000 BC or something like that. <laughs> and then and then took us through this journey of like the entire history of art and how it was initially for the wealthy and religion and royalty to like you know like glorify royalty and glorify god 
um, and just create this like lavish picture of the the wealthy and the upper crust. Um, and then how it became like a creative platform for the working class when the artists started expressing themselves and their art, blah, blah, blah. So he was going on about that for ages before we even got anywhere near to film. And uh, God bless Ian Nathan was hosting the Q&A and he was really trying his hardest to move it along. <laughs> he just, John McTiernan was just off on one, just like going on for ages. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I as am I. Um, I, I do have a point to this. It's really good. Uh, but yeah, he was he was saying that how even though film was originally this platform for like creative freedom and expression in like the twenties through to the sixties and seventies, um, it became harder and harder to be like political in big studio movies in the eighties and nineties because Hollywood was like slowly being taken over by money men rather than successful film guys who were running the studios previously. And, you know, would give them sort of carte blanche to do whatever they want because it was all about the art and blah, blah, blah. And it became more about the money as it went on. So he said, um, he was basically said that um, he he made Die Hard to be a very anti-authority political movie. You know, the police are stupid in it. The FBI is stupid in it. And the only way you could get away with that, like sort of those like political sideswipes was to distract the studio with Christmas stuff. <laughs> so that's like the why the Christmas stuff's in there was just a pure sort of MacGuffin for the studios to completely ignore all the other stuff that he was trying to say because they thought it was a Christmas movie. Um, so that's why they did it. And it was just, it was great. The payoff, the, the, he went on for about half an hour and everyone was just like, Oh my god, mate, go! It's so funny. But then when he did it, when you know when the payoff came, everyone was like applauding. It, it was really good. And then it was like, oh, we've got no time for Q and A's. We'll just have to put it out to. We've got one question, one question. And this guy got his microphone, and it was like he did the most fucking male thing, and just went off about himself, and was like, "Well, I'm uh, actually a screenwriter myself." And, oh no! Uh, oh, when I, I went to guys. film studies, he's uh, not going to read his script, like yeah, yeah. And he, and oh. he was like, "I, I like <laughs> to I'll think... bring it up here. I'll give you some notes." Yeah, he's like, "I like to, f- <laughs> I like to think Die Hard was uh, an exploration of blah." And everyone was just like, "Oh my god, just ask a question." <laughs> so they just got <laughs> cut him off and just went, "Sorry, guys, we've run out of time," and everyone was like. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> this poor guy in the back. It was great, it, it, but it was a great weekend. Um, it was a good sort of launch event for them, and I hope they do it again next year. And hopefully, they'll do some advertising because it was all really last minute. And, I didn't and know about yeah. it at all until you said you were going, man. Yeah, and then it would have been so great for, for the three of us to. Oh it was, yeah, it was ve- we'll very keep an eye on that for next year. Yeah, yeah very, oh very yeah, FYR. yeah, yeah. We could have done a load of elite level content there. Oh you god, it's incredible. Um, but then yeah. New films I watched Elvis and it blew my socks off. It's fucking amazing. But yeah, I will be brief on that. I'm going to go this week based on your letterbox review. So fucking gonna... fantastic! Really? I was yeah. completely blown up. I didn't expect to like it at all. I was like, oh, Baz Luhrmann, here we go. Like I watched yeah. Moulin Rouge not long ago and was just exhausted by it. But <laughs> it's this is really good. It's really, really, really good. Cool. Yeah. Nice one. What about you, Rob? Sorry about that v- rather long. Story. No, I love it. I wanted to hear all about it. I wanted to hear every last every last juicy detail. Um, for myself, uh, we watched uh, Back to the Future again as a family. It's just like the little kids, the little ones, absolutely loving it. Although, obviously, the question: How is this a PG? <laughs> you know, it emerges. But um, seeing like so, my my eleven year old said, "Oh, this is even better." 
now I understand it a little bit more. You know, like all the stuff at the Undersea Dance and all that kind of stuff. Um, the little lad at four, he really, really dug it. He loved all the exciting, you know, the excitement of it all, the race against time, quite literally nature of it. Um, so it was great. But we also went on a family trip to the movies to see Jurassic World Dominion, Uh-oh. which we all went and we all flipping loved absolutely <laughs> loved it i'm glad i'm glad you like i kind of knew you'd like it oh i adored it absolutely adored it i thought it was relentlessly exciting loads of great set pieces um uh, yeah the the plot about some buggy buggies we can yeah we can ignore all that <laughs> don't, don't even know what don't even know what it was about just so yeah don't care you got that a, a property with dinosaurs and you're gonna go with locusts <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah let's yeah not not a move i would have made but it kind of—I love the way that they managed to squeeze those two stories together. I'm dead happy with it. I'm—you uh, know—I'll forgive anything, pretty much where Jurassic Park is concerned. Not Jurassic Park three. You stay in the bin, please. Um, it's better than Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> By some distance, I would say. You know what? I came to this realization when it because it's, it's usually always on like ITV two or something. Jurassic Park three. Every time I've ever. Caught it like halfway through. I've watched the whole thing right to the end. Like, <laughs> moves at a tremendous pace. That movie. It's only ninety minutes. As well. it, I know it stops shockingly though, doesn't it? it you know, because it like, it, it's it, you can tell when they run out of money because the film <laughs> just stops and the fella just walks out on the beach like Doctor Grant, Doctor <laughs> Doctor Grant, and they're like, right, that's it. We got to wind this up. I was reading a brilliant article about it the other day, actually. Um, where they said that um, the original script, so they, they like time ran out and they'd spent millions already on a script that they didn't use. Yeah. So they got two screenwriters to come in and sort of save it. And then they gave it back to the original screenwriter for a polish. And it was just a convoluted. So on the day, they were making stuff up on the day. Like Joe yeah. Johnston was just making scenes up on the day. And it's just no wonder it didn't land for me in that context. But they'd spent. Yeah, millions and millions on dinosaurs Yeah, they couldn't figure it out. They, they were working yeah. towards a release date rather than actually yeah. having a script that worked. Yeah. It, it does still have the greatest scene of the entire... No, series. don't say it, don't say it. Ellen. 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 That is genuinely more memorable than anything that's in the Right, I disagree. I totally disagree. <laughs> Dominion's got Cartier from Neighbours in it, you know. Yeah, as like a as like a a proper weird villain, like she's from Resident Evil or something. It just doesn't. Yeah, doesn't add up in a Jurassic Park world. Proper mega dinosaurs in like the oh, she was forgotten pretty quickly, wasn't she? Um, But like, yeah, mega dinosaurs in some an exotic location. I loved it all. Anyway, sorry. I'm glad you spotted that she was Katia from Neighbours because I thought I was dead excited. I was like, oh, is that going from Neighbours? And everyone was like, ooh. (laughs) 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 No, I love love seeing Neighbours alumni out in the wild. It's so great. Um, No, uh, loved it. And obviously, seeing the trio on the screen again, oh, it's just lovely. Um, But we've got, um, uh, sorry, that's me saying to everyone. Don't listen to what you've heard. Go out and watch that movie. It's uh, totally entertaining. Go and enjoy it. Or don't. <laughs> <laughs> Do something else. Top Gun's still out. <laughs> still need to see that. Um, oh, please go. It's so good. I, I really want to go. It's just, I walked past, uh, when I was watching Dominion, I walked past when the, the kids needed a loo, and I walked past the screening of it, and I heard the music from inside, like, whoa, that sounds flipping good in there. <laughs> Come on, kids, let's go see this rubbish and stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, well, there is a movie that we all want to talk about tonight, but before that, um, I just wanted to update you guys on um, the Bigfoot world, as usual, um, all the big oh, news, yeah. and um, and also in the process, debut our brand new regular feature, Bigfoot Corner. Bigfoot Corner. Yeah, the big breaking news this week is that they still haven't found him. Brilliant. <laughs> Tune in for more of that next time. <laughs> Jingle. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on. Um, so yeah, we all enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> uh, we <laughs> we all enjoyed a movie that we didn't watch together, but we all watched around the same time this week. Um, and that movie is the uh, streaming. Well, was it the streaming premiere? I guess I don't know the world streaming whatever of Prey, the latest edition in the Predator canon so to speak um james it was was it you james who said it's on it's on disney you can watch it right now it was yeah yeah Um, Yeah. and you know i was sort of disappointed when i found out that it was going straight to streaming not least because there's not a lot of new movies out in august at all like we've had bullet train which i saw which was fine and um and then we've got jordan peele's nope coming out Mm. Uh, well it'll be out by the time this episode comes out but there's not a lot else out in August, so I thought oh, they could have really landed this in cinemas, and it probably done quite good business. Yeah. Um, but having said that, you know, being able to throw that on on Friday night at half past nine at night with a couple of beers in the comfort of my own home was a very enjoyable experience. I yeah, I agree with that. I, I I'm very much a cinema first person. Like I I. I was through my arms up in outrage when I heard it was straight to streaming and they weren't even entertaining a cinema release. But yeah, I'm I'm the same. And having watched it, I kind of think it's suited more to streaming. I think it possibly would have helped it as well because I, I guess the last few Predator movies didn't do too well at the box office. So yeah, they're probably taking a put. You know, they they're not willing to take the punt on it for a third time. It would have been the first Predator movie as well under Disney, wouldn't it, since the, they took over Fox? Yes. So there's that as well. A lot of people have watched it. So you've got to say it's kind of worked out to be a good decision, really. Hopefully there will be a cinema release eventually when they realise how well it's done mm. for people to give it a whirl. Fingers crossed that's going to happen. But yeah, I'm I'm glad it was, it was just available straight away. Because I've seen my letterbox that it's just like, Pray, 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 pray across the yeah, absolutely across yeah. the board, and it would not have been that if it had been a cinema release. I don't think. I think you're probably right. Um, but having seen it now, I mean, I would absolutely love to see it on the big screen. Um, I thought. It was oh yeah, I think extreme. it'd work really like, well. Some of the yeah. imagery was absolutely astonishing in this movie. So yeah, I I certainly know what you mean. But also, I think like the the themes of the movie. I understand what you mean, Sai. Yeah, the themes of the movie sort of fit. A more intimate viewing experience, in a way. Um, uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what I was. Probably you articulated it way better than uh, I, I thought. I was making <laughs> stuff up on the spot, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's because it's all in that main character, and she's just you're just following her throughout the whole film, and it's all filmed quite intimately as well. Yeah, it 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 works for streaming absolutely. I think. Mm, yeah, mm. I think as well the fact that it was going straight to streaming is that they were able to take less commercial decisions with regards to it. So the setting, obviously, it's set in the 18th century, isn't it? Around a Comanche community, 
no stars yeah, in the movie true, yeah. at all, no recognisable actors. Mm -hmm. So I think it possibly gave them a bit more freedom to explore, you know, some of the more heady themes that uh, that the filmmakers are after doing as well, while delivering a satisfying Predator movie as well. And I really, I really dug it. I thought it was great. I thought it was really good fun. It was. It, it was. It was really, really well put together. I wanted to ask a question though, because they done. I I heard a interview with um, the director. What's it called? Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah. And he was saying that they because it went straight to streaming, they were allowed to do the Comanche dub of it. So there's a there's an option, audio option, to listen to it in the Comanche. It's dubbed in Comanche. Oh right. Okay. Great. Um, and he said they obviously wouldn't have been able to do that if it was a cinema release. Mm. When there are people in it who aren't speaking English, when because there is a bit of Comanche in it and there is a bit of French in it as well, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Were you supposed to see subtitles of that bit or not? Because I didn't. I, I didn't just, either. So no, I, I don't think you are. You're yeah. not supposed to know. You're just kind of supposed yeah. to be in the dark. With it. Particularly with the French dialect, because obviously the indigenous people wouldn't understand what they were saying because yeah. they're yeah. colonisers, aren't they? I, I, do, I do think... I mean, you know, it's an American movie, so... Yeah. They obviously had to put it in English, but I would have loved it if it was all in Comanche and they all just spoke. <laughs> they they all just spoke yeah. their native languages. I just think it would have been yeah, like really really good. Yeah, but yeah, like Apocalypse. So cool. Yeah, I I I goes for I, I flipping loved the movie. I, I, yeah, I'll I just put it, it straight. Great. I just yeah. thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, really yeah. loved it. Lived um lived because when I first saw, oh my word, it's Predator going up against you know a Comanche warrior, you know, like I was like flipping out. That is pure gold really in my yeah, head yeah. and heart. Great you know? idea, isn't it? It is. Really, yeah. really good idea. But it lived up to it. You know, like it didn't disappoint me in that way at all. And I think you're right as well, James, you know, you're saying about lack of um, studio intervention on certain things. Like they could really go for it with the gore. Yeah. It was yeah. Really you know, gore, um, there was no compromise in there at all. But uh, what I loved is that they, this is, I think poss possibly since the original, the feel like that they've managed to match Predator and the nature of what it is to be a Predator with the original exploration of Predator or the original yeah. incarnation of Predator. Like he's, they are this weird single-minded race that come down to hunt the best and they have a really weird honour system around this. You know, they don't like killing people who are, you know, n not seen as a threat and all that kind of stuff. And that lends a weird sort of respecting us as audience members to them you kind of like them yeah. you know because yeah. they, they only go like a fair fight isn't it it is yeah. yeah and that this you know obviously got a massive soft spot well, apart for from all the tech well yeah yes I mean, yeah tech i always thought that was a bit rude you know like <laughs> a little bit a little bit not performance enhancing <laughs> yeah no i thought i thought the predator was the most threatening it had been since the first installment yeah. and i thought it yeah, I, I get the uh, note of the oh, let's make it a fair fight and stuff. But I just thought this guy, this one is an absolute bastard. Like he's mm. just coming down and just killing anything yeah. that gets in his way. Wolves, snakes, everything. The, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's I, I I wasn't on board with the redesign as either. Oh yeah, I don't yeah, know, I know what you mean. What why that why they felt that was necessary, but it looks a little buggy. More primitive, didn't I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, because he was like, he, he was kind of like that, the big bastard one from the Predator. Yeah, you know where the, the the absolutely humongous one comes down. I think I would have liked when the mask come off for it to be the yeah original Predator. Yeah, face original recipe Predator. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, incidentally, um, I wanted to shout out um, good friend Stephen J. Golds, absolutely fantastic writer. His work is unbelievable. He tweeted out that next he wants to see a Predator prequel set in Victorian London or the trenches of World War One. Like, Jeez. yeah, different time periods. I love it. this, like, because they've yeah. gone at it like this on streaming. We can do this. You can do this now. But it just, it just seems so simple and genius that it's like, why have they not done this before? Because you, you established in Predator Two that they've been doing this throughout the centuries. Yeah, with yeah. that pistol at the end, because that's the whole point of that, isn't it? It's like, oh, it we've is, been doing yeah. this for ages, and. It's a mutual respect thing, isn't it? Because they kind of gift him that gun at the end, don't they, to say, like, yeah. well done. Yeah. But, yeah, they've got this whole massive chunk of history there now they can just plunk Predators into. It's so great, isn't it? Predator versus Jesus is what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Predator versus Gandhi. <laughs> Predator of Nazareth. Just... <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say Predator versus Jack the Ripper because that would work. That would that'd be, be good. Yeah. That would, or would is Predator Jack the Ripper? Oh, oh! oh. <laughs> Trachtenberg, are you listening to this? It's the greatest brainstorm session of all time. Some geezer gets framed like, oh, we got this guy Jack the Ripper. Nope, it's an errant predator. It's a predator. And then it's the the guy who's like pops up at all the scenes and they think it's him. And it's like, no, I'm trying to find the predator. I'm yes, to catch him. <laughs> Played by Adrian Brody again. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, what a movie. I'm well up for right, that. So, but you're right. Like, this is, again, what this film got right was it distilled that same dynamic of the first movie. At the end of the first movie, it's just like we had all these peripheral characters, but it's really Dutch versus the big guy, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And then that's what they managed to do with this. You could just do it compelling character right the way through history. You know, let's pick. Oh, in this World War, World War One example, you know, Jesus. like some Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what he just picks off all his twelve disciples. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying he's got a crew ready made. <laughs> but did you see that the, there was a really like? Um, did you see there was like a really fucking gobshite sort of take on Twitter? Obviously. Oh yeah, the, woke the hot predator, bed of, hotbed of hot takes, and it was like, oh. In the first film, you've got these really hard-ass army men and they can't kill him, blah, blah, blah. And now all of a sudden you're saying that this um, female Comanche Native American is capable of taking down a predator. She played very well by Amber Mint on the... Really, really good. But um, she's so hard in it and just... She's spending the whole film trying to convince people that she's a warrior and they're like, nah... You're not, and then you're like, she, she's really good. Like, let her do it. And it was just that was the whole point of the film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to be like uh. this constant denial of this young woman who is stronger than everyone thinks. And there's like a few comments in there, and it was like getting the kitchen and all stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then someone replied to that stupid comment and was like, but didn't Arnie beat the predator by? reverted back to age old tactics and using the using exactly. nature to kill him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not yes. only do you not understand the new film, you misunderstood the old <laughs> yeah. one as well. So well done. Yes. And you've revealed yourself to a massive jerkweed at the same time. Yeah, I mean people are just thick. They just <laughs> they really are. are or they're contrarian just for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, or they're offended. Well, yeah. Because their masculinity has been attacked. Like, oh yeah. gosh! Did you see? I, I, I'm to that guy. Did you see what she did to him? She, <laughs> she, 
She messed him up. <laughs> well, it was also smart how she did it, though. She used a head. It yes. wasn't just brute force. She just used a head to exactly. do it, and that's the whole yeah. frigging point of it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, we have a well, we have uh, another film to go. <laughs> we have another bit, yeah, but I'm, yes, I'm glad do, we got yeah. to talk about it because like, we, we rarely get to talk about a new release together, do we? Because you guys go to the cinema yeah. and I never get to. And a good one because we wouldn't be able to cover this. Because, this is true. Um, and actually, sorry, listeners, the reason we did this is because it's, uh, you know, we've done two Predator movies already on the podcast, so it feels like yeah. we've got a little bit of scope to talk about it. So, yeah, if you do want to check those out, Predator 2 we did a review of, which apparently is now the most important movie in the entire franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the Adrian Brody starring Predators as well, which we were both we were quite high on both of them. I think so. Really, yeah. A lot better than people gave them credit for. So if you want more Predator talk, yeah. go and check those out. I think the franchise out. is better than people give it credit for. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. I completely agree. And I think those two films in particular have been getting a bit more love since Prey come out. I think a lot of people have been revisiting them and realised that they're actually pretty good movies. Particularly the second one. The second one is great. It's so good. So, so good. But you can hear us talk about that on the episode. Yeah, go yes. download it. Dig into the archive for that one. Yeah. <laughs> the sacred texts. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's Luke Skywalker in. <laughs> anyway, so we've got another movie to talk about, haven't we? Um, so I'm going to go straight in with a logline because it was my pick. It I'm not was just your pick. Yeah. Hogging the, the hogging the limelight. So here we go. <laughs> Two dictionary definition ne'er-do-wells pick the wrong pregnant lady to kidnap, and thus unfolds an explosive cat-and-mouse chess match between the mob, rich people, and baddies. A lot of baddies. In fact, absolutely everyone in this is a baddie except for Juliet Lewis. It's, of course, 2000's Christopher McQuarrie pre-Cruzmas movie The Way of the Gun, and don't forget, there's always free cheese in a mousetrap. What would you say qualifies you as a donor? Um, I would say I am a fairly good-looking man, physically fit, stable. I've never killed a man. A big burden. It's just one of those days. For the record, I'll call myself Mr. Parker. My associate will be Mr. Longbow. At some point, it became clear to us that our path had been chosen, and we had nothing to offer the world. So we stepped off the path and went looking for the fortune that we knew was looking for us. It's just one of those days. And here was the thing. The longest distance between two points is a kidnapper and his money. But we were through jerking around. What I heard was you ready to put a woman's life at risk for money. Not money. Fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million dollars. You are here because you are for sale. And you will do as you are told. You just bring me back my baby. (laughs) You're not going to make it out of here alive. What kind of kidnapping is this? Can't you people see there are guns here? 
So, uh, are you the brains of the outfit, or is he? Tell you the truth, I don't think this is a brains kind of operation. So, the way of the gun. I remember watching this in the early 2000s, I think. And I remember it um, carrying all those noir traits that I really love while being like really, really complicated. And I don't mean complicated in a plot sense. I mean more, because it is still pretty no, complicated. Is, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean more, it's complicating for the viewer in forcing yourself to root for these absolutely horrible people. You know, because which you sort of end up doing a little bit. These are the characters played by Ryan Felipe and uh, Benicio Del Toro. And I really love a good shootout. And I remember that this film has a couple of the best I've ever seen. So, um, yeah, that's pretty simple, really. um, The reasons for wanting this to come back. But, uh, and I love a good crimey caper. Goodies and baddies, not so many goodies, just one. Um, What about you guys? Uh, James, what's your relationship with um, Way of the Gun? Yeah, so I've definitely seen it before, um, but I don't know when or under what circumstances. You know, like many teenage boys getting into film at the end of the 90s and in the early 2000s, I was pretty enamoured by The Usual Suspects. So when I found out that the Oscar-winning screenwriter of that film had written and directed The Way of the Gun, I absolutely had to see it. I think I probably owned it at one point. I don't anymore. It got lost in various house moves, I think. (laughs) It seems like very much like a DVD you'd pick up in a four for 20 quid offer, isn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah. For sure, that was probably it. The heyday of Blockbuster. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. Uh, So what about you and Way of the Gun? Do you go way back? I, I do not. I do not go way back with that gun. <laughs> you know, it, it's long been a film on my list because, particularly because of the rise of Chris McQuarrie in recent years. But honestly, it's one I just never got round to watching. Whether that's just where it is on the streaming platforms, I mm. didn't have it on DVD. Just passed me by when it was originally released. But yeah, I just never, never got round to watching it. So um, yeah, always good to be forced to watch a film. (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel that regularly when we do this, because I've usually not seen it. (laughs) And then it gives me the excuse to watch something new, which is great. Um, So with that in mind, I mean, I I did the usual thing, obviously, of getting in touch and saying, you know, we're going to do this next without actually checking whether it qualifies. (laughs) So um, (laughs) James, is it, is it through numbers? Is it budget and box office? Yeah, so the film was released on September 8th, 2000 in North America. It grossed just over $6 million domestically and a further $7.1 million internationally for a total worldwide gross of $13.2 million against a production budget of $8.5 million. Now, it is an independent film, so marketing costs would not have been astronomical. But even taking that into account, I doubt it will have recouped its costs. That said, it is sort of seen as a cult film now, so perhaps mm. it did well on DVD uh, and home video rental and things like that. So, but the, I haven't got any numbers on that. I think it would have struggled to get back into the uh, into the black. Mm, interesting. Well, at least you know it's glad to know. I'm glad to know that we've got qualification under our belt before we go. <laughs> but so that that. You know, there's a lot of this that I think this movie, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, incidentally, everyone, go listen to it. Uh, listen to it? Go watch it. Go watch it immediately. Um, it was a rental for me on Prime. I think that's probably yeah. the easiest way to get it. It's the only place you can get it, I think, Is at it? the moment. Oh. Yeah. 
this is a conversation going around a lot at the minute, isn't it? The the sort of you know the value of physical uh, media and yeah. how a lot of things do they're just, just disappearing, disappearing yeah. and really mm. hard to get hold of. Because um, you take it for granted, don't you? Really, like the existence oh, yeah. of movies and you just assume that everything's available to stream and it, it isn't. It really yeah. isn't. We've had a few movies we've covered, haven't we, which have been really hard to Yeah, hard I've had to, to shun away some and... great movies that I really wanted to yeah. do. Um, yeah, because yeah, just, just can't, you just can't, can't stream them or even buy the DVDs nowadays. Yeah. And it's almost like Martin Scorsese was right about the <laughs> yeah. um, preservation of um, movies. Fancy that. <laughs> Fancy that. He might know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, with, uh, with qualification in the bag, what did the critics make of it, Sai? Yeah, it's not great on the critical reception either, uh, this one. It, it currently sits at 46% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 49 on Metacritic, with a lot of US critics blasting the unpleasantness of the characters and their actions with adjectives like repulsive, gratuitous, and nefarious thrown around quite a lot in the reviews. Still no Mick review, sadly. We we need to do a film what Mick's review. I know. Next, it's oh been a man, while. the sheriff. Well, we still love you, sheriff. Yeah, we do still love you, sheriff. Uh, his San Francisco Chronicle um, colleague Peter Stack was on Dukes for this one. He gave it one star. Um, Can't <laughs> get a, a rotten and pretentious movie full of minimalist dialogue and self consciously arty cinematography, which is a bit of a weird criticism. Because that sounds yeah. like it's good, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I was going to say. Like, oh, how dare you shoot this film well? <laughs> But it's Bill I, I Pope, isn't class it? Dialogue. No, it's Dick Pope. Dick, Dick Pope. Pope. Oh, man. Sorry. He's the most successful cousin. I don't know. If I yeah. Oh, man. I thought that as well when it came up. I was like, oh, with the guy who shot the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I, I went through the movie watching it like, this really doesn't tally up. <laughs> uh, alas, there, you know, there were some positive reviews. Uh, Gemma Files on film.com, um, who's also a writer, I think, uh, gave it four stars. Describing it as a tiny slice of bleak and black near perfection. A.O. Scott of the New York Times admitted it was a little redundant, but called it stylish and intelligent on the way to giving it four stars. Um, Jeffrey McNabb of Sight and Sound was complimentary as well, um, saying its its brutal scenes are undercut with lyricism and deadpan wit. Um, and Ali Barkley of the BBC said it was a cross between Tarantino and Peck and Parr, combining an amusing dark script with constant action. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of why it's sort of down the middle, I think. But, yeah, a lot of American paper critics absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> as for the audience, it's like it's way, way higher on Rotten Tomatoes with a 70%. So, like, a big, pretty big swing there. But, curiously, it goes the complete opposite direction on Metacritic. It's got 2.3 wow. on the audience scale there. Um, any guess on the on the letterbox score? <laughs> uh, 2.9. 3.1. 3.1, correct. Of course it is. 3.1 is the common score of Letterboxd. But yeah, it's uh, 3.1 on Letterboxd. A lot of good rate uh, reviews for recent viewings, actually, from y- the younger generation who are picking it up for the first time. Cool. Seem to like it. Um, oh, that's cool. But yeah. Nice. Um, sorry, I'm struggling to get comfortable. <laughs> yeah, Rob is lying on a couch at the minute. We're all like dead oh, professionals. I know, I know. On I'm, our I'm, desk, I'm with tra- our microphone set, Rob just lay on a couch. <laughs> he's, he, let, let's set the scene. I mean, he's being fanned by two buff gentlemen. <laughs> Greasy buff gentlemen. Greasy. 
Come on, fellas. Periodically having uh, grapes popped into his mouth. <laughs> no, the pre-chewed as well. Don't want them seeds. Pre-chewed grapes. Thank you. Oh, oh sorry. Jeez. That's absolutely disgusting. Too far. You're yeah. Like a baby bird. <laughs> <laughs> Hungry fella. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing that in the cinema, and, and I honestly, that was enough. For, I was dead, dead. <laughs> De- I mean, that's the opening to one great movie, but the, the opening of this movie, let's go straight in, because I, I wonder whether some of the negativity surrounding this film might be about the first five minutes of this film, because it, it's, it's a pretty full-on first ten minutes, to be fair. It, it is. It? it is. Um, and it's all to do with the dialogue and some of the actions, but mostly the dialogue is. Just... Yeah, I think I thought it set up how darkly funny it was because Sarah Silverman's potty mouth is really funny. She calls him <laughs> yeah. a fuck suck. <laughs> I, I, but I thought it was like leaning into being like American Pie style humor. You know, when I first saw it, like what? Why is he doing? What's going on here? The let's get let's put this straight out there, right? The homophobia at the start of this film is absolutely well, rancid. Yes, it, 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 it is, is. It's, and I think like you really have to look past this to look at the rest of the film. I think, and yeah. I, I think you have to look at it and see this is a really crude, weird misstep. And I choose to ignore that it even happened. Oh, it, only in the opening, though, isn't it? Exactly. That, that, That's why that, it's so weird. Yeah, because I thought it was like, um, oh, this is going to be the tone for the whole movie. But it's it, in terms of like that sort of language. Yeah. And yeah. it's not really, it's only it's in not. this opening bit. I mean, they have to go in quite hard of how shitty these two dudes are, I guess. But um, but then, yeah, the, the the dialogue around it is just, it's, it is a bit uncomfortable, but of the time, I guess. It's a bit too trying too hard, to be honest. I mean, I sort of, you know, I've seen a lot of these Tarantino sort of Guy Ritchie-like kind of crime yeah. movies. and. I wouldn't expect it from Macquarie because he's a really great writer. Yeah. yeah. Particularly plot wise. And the plot here is excellent as well. I think there's there's potentially two problems. I don't know if he's just trying too hard to set his stall out about how unlikable these guys are and he oversteps it. And perhaps something a little bit controversial. I think he's got the casting of Ryan Felipe completely wrong. And I think he's oh. chewing over these lines, and he's just not landing them. He's got most of the, he's got nearly all the most deplorable dialogue, and he's also been saddled with voiceover mm. as well, which is quite portentous and pops up every now yeah. and again. And I don't think it does him any favors at all. And whereas Benicio del Toro apparently asked Macquarie to give him less lines, yeah, because he can convey what he needs to without talking. I feel like. Felipe is really chewing on the scenery yeah. in a lot of these, and that makes it more distasteful than what he's actually saying because he feels like, yeah, I just don't think he's the right actor for this part. It, it's funny. I think I think he's much better after this. Yeah, um, but I think the whole movie is better after this. It is it, honestly. I was watching this. I was like, because I, I bet I liked this more when I was younger. I don't remember. Yeah. Exactly, like I would have thought, oh, that's really edgy, or yeah, yeah. or what have you. Um, but then you mature, don't you? And yeah, of course. Now I'm just like, this just feels. I mean, the whole situation outside the nightclub 
I mean, it doesn't even need to be in the movie. You could just cut. You could just cut that completely and just start with them in the car with the voiceover. Yeah, it does kind of seem like it was added in afterwards, wasn't it? Just to give them a bit more, a bit, I should say, a bit more of an edge. Yeah, quote unquote. Yeah, but um, there was a from the DVD commentary. I think it was um, Macquarie revealed that he didn't really want to cast Felipe, Mm. but he was just really insistent on doing it because he was just didn't want to be portrayed as this pretty boy in Hollywood and he saw himself as an actor. He was a bit of a name at the back end of the 90s as well. Yeah, and and he wanted to prove himself as an actor. So fair play to him for wanting to do something a bit out of his... You know, he could have easily gone down that path of doing romantic comedies for the rest of his career with easy paychecks and stuff. So fair play to Felipe for for doing that. I I kind of... I thought he just about got away with it, personally. um, I do. Barring this opening scene. I think for the most part, he really does sell it you know, this sort of tough guy, bit of a bastard, well, a lot of a bastard type guy, um, despite his, like, Justin Timberlake uh, frosted tips. Yeah, I mean, it might be the hair. It honestly, might just be the hair, to I be think, honest. Honestly, I think this is the look, because this is 2000, it, before JT went solo. I think he came out of that band and was like, I am going out of this band looking like Ryan, Ryan Felipe and Way of the Gun. The Way of the Gun, yeah. He's like the Get proto Timberlake. Denim. Yeah, he is. He looks yeah. very much like Justin Timberlake at that time. Yeah. I just think, imagine this film with like a post Titanic DiCaprio in that, you know, where he's like trying to shed the heartthrob thing. He, sh- he does like a, a proto sort of Billy Costigan from The Departed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even, uh, even a post um, Boogie Nights Mark Wahlberg, I think, would, yeah. would yeah. work well. But obviously, it's an independent film, probably not operating at those sorts of levels. But in terms of salaries, uh, it's just I just feel like because Del Toro's such an amazing actor, and James Caan's such an amazing actor, and Juliette Lewis is such an amazing actor. I just feel like you put the four leads there, and you're just like, well, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> With all yeah, due respect to Mr. Felipe, no, I, I think I think you're right there, particularly in the case of Benicio del Toro, because usually in his films he's you know he's got that that Puerto Rico twang to his accent. Yeah. But in this, is is when he talks, he's like, no, he he's got a really good American delivery, yeah. and it's a shame that he chose he, he didn't want to speak that much in it because mm. he is really really good in it. I think he maybe looked at the dialogue and went, I'm not saying anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he'll do whatever you want. He's desperate to be here, but I'm not doing that. I've been <laughs> in a Bond film already. It's like. <laughs> Was he in a bunch flipping hell. (laughs) So this is, what, five years after Usual Suspects, right? Yes. That's quite a bad... I expected it to be a lot closer than that to give the writer a shot at directing. Five years seems a bit of a gap. Yeah, I've not found anything to back this up, but it feels like it's been written in a very frustrated frame of mind, potentially, where he's not been able... Despite winning an Academy Award for screenwriting, he's maybe not been able to get projects off the ground mm. um or be backed or this has been a nightmare to get financing for and it i don't know if some of that bitterness and frustration is potentially <laughs> coming out in the i mean I, i've got no insight here at all i'm just speculating oh, conspiracy corner. we haven't had conspiracy corner oh yeah for a while. this is <laughs> yeah. good this is good i think you'd think that you know you'd probably after you know writing the usual suspects and winning the oscar for it and like one of the big twist movies of the 90s, along with like Seven and Six Sense, mm. you'd think that you'd be able to write your own ticket after that. But it doesn't seem to have happened. Then after this one, Macquarie doesn't have a credited screenplay 
credit until that Tom Cruise Let's Kill Hitler movie. Valkyrie. Really? Wow. Yeah. That is a big And then he's in the That's Tom nice. Cruise bit and then he's in the Tom Cruise business from That's there. an underrated film as well, actually, Valkyrie. Wow. Really good, I think. It's crazy. Um incidentally, in this movie, um, how old do you think Benicio del Toro is? Oh he's about uh, well, he's been in loads of stuff though. This is what's confusing, isn't it? Like he looks—he's pushing forty, I would say. In this movie, he's like, yeah, he's like thirty, like like mid to late thirties. Thirty-three. He's thirty. He's done. He's thirty-three. He's done movie, loads yeah. of stuff before, and, but he looks—he looks like older, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, like yeah. he looks austere and stoic and older, and he's got. I honestly think he looks hair. the same now. Like yeah, I yeah. Sicar- the Sicario sequel not long ago, and he looks pretty similar to yeah. how he does in this movie. Um, while while we're on this topic, Felipe, any ideas? He's around the same age. Oh, he's got younger. Twenty-seven. Twenty-six. 26. 26 in this one. Um, again, I got so interested in this topic um, because everyone looks like like proper grown-ups in this movie, you know, doing grown-up stuff. Um, so, yeah, the Doctor, Dylan Cusman, any ideas? 31. 25. 29. Almost right between you. Tay Diggs? Oh, sexy Tay Diggs. He's immense. In this. He's about 30. 28. 29. Oh. <laughs> Juliet Lewis. Uh, um, 25. 27. Oh. Close, boys. Now, here's an interesting one. Um, Kristen Lehman, who plays Mrs. Uh, what are they, the Chuddock? Chiddocks? Chiddocks. Chiddocks, yeah. Mrs. Chiddock. Well, I mean, knowing Hollywood, she's probably like, a lot like, younger than you think. 29. 28. 28. Yeah, oh. 28. <laughs> um, let's just round this off with the Don. James Kahn. Jimmy Kahn. Um, 58. Jimmy B. Yeah, in his late 50s. He just hit 60 in this movie. Oh, wow. I did not know James Kahn was in this movie, and I was so happy when he yeah. showed up. Yeah. And the character he was in it as well. I thought he's great. I, I love How good does he look in those slacks? Oh, I know. Well? <laughs> he makes like granddad garb look immense, doesn't he? You know, Unassuming like... slacks. <laughs> so great. One of the funniest things of this whole film is that all his henchmen are really old dudes. Yeah. <laughs> They're so yes. old. Like the shoot that. out at the end. We're all guys in their 70s just like, getting iced. Were you actually at the OK Corral? How old are uh, you? <laughs> uh, Wheezing. <laughs> so great. Loved it. Anyway, we've got so much to get through. We're just going to have to, pa- we're gonna have to absolutely smash this movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the movie opens with um, obviously this abhorrent scene, which we won't give any more airtime. It's absolutely awful. Um, yeah, also, Ryan Felipe punches Sarah Silverman in the yes, face. Yeah. The, the, the phrase chat shit get banged would is never more. <laughs> this is right. Do you know, I don't know whether we can keep this in, but you know, this is Macquarie. He said that his reason for this, you know, idea for this sequence was because he saw some like violence kicking off at a, a park near where he was and his friend he and his friend were getting a bit worried like what if they start a fight and Macquarie said I'll just go in there and hit every woman I can <laughs> <laughs> so that because it means that their men have to take them home and the men aren't there anymore yeah we'll still get beat down but it won't but, be as bad uh, yeah I read that on the IMDB so it it's, might not be accurate it's not yeah. an, you know I, we might have to take it out but it's, it's not really a nice it's probably just a hypothetical conversation you have with your friends that you don't yeah. think is ever going to repeat anywhere else. Mm. But he 
he probably volunteered it because he's quite a chatterbox Macquarie. Is he? Yeah. Which is good insight, but obviously then the darkest places where he gets his ideas from might come out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes. So and then they they're donating baby materials, aren't they? Yeah. Um, because you get three thousand dollars for baby material. Spooge. <laughs> oh, goodness me. On a matter word. Um and yeah. um yeah, they got um <laughs> um so they're waiting to go, you know, and, and make a deposit when um they hear this doctor talking about, you know, um this patient he has and all the money that's involved because this patient is carrying a very important baby. Yes. And they decide to go find her and kidnap her. Again, it's not very artfully done, is it? They just happen to be reading like pornographic magazine <laughs> yes. sitting in the waiting room <laughs> and overhear this very loud very convenient conversation yes <laughs> yeah it's very convenient you're absolutely right um and the fact that he says you know something like you know the uh, the it's captain exposition on the phone basically isn't it oh like, i know he tells them the whole thing yeah <laughs> brilliant you know it's just what we needed <laughs> Uh, Very helpful when you're planning a heist. Including, a, you know, they say, it's something like, you know, oh, it's Dr. Painter. You can look him up in the book. Cut to a phone book. And Felipe going, oh, yeah, there's Dr. Painter's address. <laughs> and they go there. And, um, yes, they heist her. Um, but she's in the company of Tay Diggs and um, Nikki Cat, who are the two dudes who work yeah. for the Chiddock yeah. family. So Ch- the Chiddock is um, played by... Um... Herschel from The Walking Dead, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, blinking heck, yeah. Yeah, Scott Wilson. <laughs> a very soft eyes, Scott Wilson. Yeah, I was like, oh, lovely, lovely Herschel from The Walking Dead, and then he is quite quickly known that he's not a nice man. <laughs> yes. No. Um, well, no one is in, in this movie, are they? Really? Um, it's just a, a story of scumbags, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And and yeah, again, the only good person is Juliet Lewis, who we meet, who is very heavily pregnant. And I'd say the Doctor is quite a nice character. Possibly, yes. Um, I always thought it was a little bit weird and gross that the Doctor had, you know, well, the 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 the, the what was that thing you said before, James? The spooge didn't. <laughs> it hasn't taken root in the in the egg, so I'm going to have to. My dad's spooge hasn't taken root. Yeah, so she, yeah, she's a surrogate, isn't she? For yeah. The... And he he fills in the blanks himself, which I always thought was a little bit weird. <laughs> Does that mean they had sex, or did he just use his sperm to? So all I can think of now is Acon's Lonely Island. I just had sex. <laughs> <laughs> the the doctors <laughs> in his office. Because there's no hint that they're having a romantic no, relationship. Not, no, not no, really. But she asked him to do it, didn't she? Because she'd realised yeah. that it hadn't. But. She wanted the money, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, she was mm. desperate. Maybe for the she's money. not that good a person. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the voyage. We're no on a voyage one, here. No yeah. One, no one's good. But um, at this point, I was like really suspicious of Tay Diggs because he, mm. he keeps they keep looking at each other, don't they? Juliet Lewis and Tay Diggs, and I was like, oh, is is he somehow involved in this baby? Um, because there's a lot of you know he's got this vested interest in the baby more mm. so yeah. than he probably should. So that's what my first thought was. I was like, "Oh, is he? Is he the baby daddy? Is that? Is that why he cares so much?" I think these two are great. Um, Tay Diggs and Nikki yeah. Cat as the like heavies. They're brilliant, aren't they? Really good. The way they glide around like agents from the Matrix. Yeah, with the, they're so professional and like really, really good. And they kind of succeed in protecting Juliet Lewis, but then 
just co- happenstance and bad luck kind of means that, um, well, good luck if you're looking from Mr. Parker and Mr. Longbow's perspective oh, yeah, that oh. that they just stumble on Juliet Lewis and they manage they do manage to kidnap her. Yeah, um, in this in this kidnap sequence, it becomes very apparent that um, Longbow and Parker are a a greased team themselves. You know, yes. and, yeah. and very obviously ex-military as well, which I found very, very interesting. I'd love to yeah. know, but you it's know, never, it's never explained. Yeah, in fact, at you're all. right. It's, it's better that it's yeah. never explained. They yeah. just, they've obviously, you know, and it's like it's heat-like. Um, the movie yeah. Heat, isn't it? The um, yes. level of um, detail in procedure that they they've yes. gone to here um, in holding and chambering their weapons and um, well. I- I just think the way that they snatched Julia Lewis's character is really well done. Yeah. Because Felipe's putting like a stocking over his head, isn't he, in full view of the guy, so he's a distraction. And then Benicio del Toro just comes around yeah. the side and, yeah. and grabs her, and they've got the drop on him straight away. Um, and apparently, Christopher McQuarrie's brother is a Marine, and he was the technical advisor wow. on the film, which is cool. why everything is so accurate. It is very cool. Why the gunplay yeah. seems so authentic. That's brilliant. These yeah. amazing. What I will say, because I'm not going to say anything else about it, I like everything else about this film apart from the two things that I've sort of flagged up yeah. at the start. The way that the action sequences and the heist and the kidnaps and everything. It's just precision filmmaking. It's it is, really, it? really yeah. good. And yeah. invoking Heat, the Michael Mann film, is a, is a good contrast, I would say, Rob. I yeah, think they, absolutely. Uh, Which, because it feels that, like obviously it. On a mu- obviously on a much smaller scale yeah. than that film. But, um, but yeah, the ingenuity is there and everything's been really thought through. Yeah. In and, terms and, of yeah. geography. And, and the, the gunplay, I mean, it really resonates you know like it's like whoa people are dying and this is it's so serious. loud isn't it it's really well? loud yeah, yeah. it's yeah. It's, it's painful great. it's violent yeah, yeah i really really enjoy it um and um i'm glad those stood out for you as well as in it still stood up because it was something that struck me at the time so i'm yeah. glad that it struck you guys because it's practical you do yeah. it practical this it'll never it. get old it's a really so- it's a really strong scene isn't it you know where even when Parker and Longbow realise they, they've lost her and they're just trying to get out, aren't they, without getting shot and yeah. they just sort of take turns of running out while the other one covers them. Yeah. Just like little details like that just make it so... And there's no music at this point. There think, isn't, well. no, it's you're right. It's all really tense. It's a really tense standoff between the four of them. And it is just so well done, this whole sequence. Really, mm. really good. Um, but yeah, they just get really jammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she walks back out. You know, like yeah. Ty Diggs puts her in the um, in the lift, doesn't he? And goes out to f- have a gunfight with those two. And yeah. then she decides she's not getting in the lift. That guy in the lift who just watches her get in and then watches her get out again. Oh, yeah. it's, just, it's just hilarious. <laughs> you know, you can hear a cacophony of gunfire happening outside the building, and she like pregnant walks her way out there, and Felipe comes back in to like take cover and then she happens to be there so he grabs her and they bundle her into a car don't they and again another touch that i like is as they both speed away and then the bodyguards are in pursuit of them you see the collateral damage yeah of innocent bystanders have been shot in this in yeah. the crossfire it's that shot when they open the door isn't it and suddenly all the gunfire just becomes so loud and yeah. they're walking across bodies you know and it's oh it, yeah that's sort of like 
it's what we were talking about before, isn't it? That like this is real. People are dying here. You know, the stakes are very, very high. Yeah, and everybody is just so selfish and out for themselves. Yeah, and just horrendous. Like the bodyguards are as bad as these. Oh yeah. Who Juliet Lewis and yeah, it's um, it's really visceral, and then and then we have the car chase as well, which is one of the most ingenious things. Oh, I've it's brilliant, seen isn't it? Mm, so so good. Yeah, yeah, really really clever. I've never seen that before either. I like... haven't seen that before. Apparently, again, according to IMDb, so it could be absolute bullshit. This was <laughs> not how Chris McQuarrie had written it, but Benicio del Toro saw this thing happen on the TV show Cops. <laughs> So then they incorporated it into the script, you know, of them going down the narrow alleyways and rolling the cars and using them as covers. Yeah, I'd seen it's it on brilliant. that docuseries Cops and mentioned it to Macquarie. So we went, yeah, that's brilliant. I'm having that. Uh, yeah. Basically. But it, it gives it gives the whole rhythm of that car chase like a, oh, yeah, you know, so like. So suspenseful. It yeah. is, isn't it? it? It really messes with your your head and your heart in a way, you know. Um, and then, yeah, they, they reverse straight into them having trick them again and the bodyguards get like iced and uh, not iced but like they're incapacitated and Felipe yeah. gets out the car and he puts the gun at Tay Diggs and, and this is it like he could kill him he could kill him right here yeah um, but chooses not to and this is the point where you go right perhaps these guys are bad dudes but they're perhaps not as bad yes as we think they are yes and they do thaw out don't they, they do find some humanity is... as the as the film progresses yeah I, think... I mean it's it's very much what what do you want a medal for not having a gunfight over a woman while she's having a cesarean, a cesarean <laughs> section but given where these guys start it's actually quite good progress but <laughs> maybe that's why the start is as abhorrent as it is i think it is yeah um i just think it's too he goes too big with it i think yeah. that's the, the the biggest issue is i get what he's going for i just think he he could have axed the whole i think if you just axed the sequence outside the nightclub i wouldn't have as much of a problem with it despite yeah. the rampant homophobia from uh, felipe's character in the in the sperm bank i i just just write different dialogue you know you can yeah. make him a bad person without making him almost irredeemable so yeah you know um yeah yeah, they uh, so from there, yeah, we we they head off with um to a truck stop, don't they? And spend some time at the truck stop where they um they realize that the woman is, you know, like she's they should not have kidnapped this person. Yeah. And Juliet Lewis begins to show what a brilliant actor she is. She's always been good. She's always been amazing. She is incredible, isn't she? Like absolutely incredible. She can play anything she can do the unhinged psychopath she can do the girl next door she can do mm. the kidnapped pregnant surrogate woman desperate money yeah her range is incredible and it's you look at a, a sort of imdb and go through the films and it's quite surprising how it's not as stacked as you would think it is yeah in terms of high profile movies and you're like she's one of the most talented actors of the late nineties, early noughties, and it, you know why she didn't get. I mean, I, I, I think she had sort of personal troubles during the time, which and a music career as well on top. Yeah, and touring that. a lot. Yeah, so there's the music <clears throat> career as well, and but yeah, she's she's brilliant. She's like Jared Leto, but you know, good. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's morbid time. I watched Morbius actually. Fucking hell. Absolutely awful. Really? <laughs> so good. It's, it, it's because Jared Leto takes it so seriously. Like, really, really seriously. And no one else does. And it's like, yeah. this film is fucking stupid. And he's like, played it dead straight. And it's like, <laughs> God, it's, it's hilarious. Awful. So you like action movies, and you love the stars who perform their own stunts, right? Okay, stop. That's not what this show is. We visit movies from the archive and explore the stunt performer's role in creating the magic you see on screen. We take a deep dive into the stunt itself and break it down so you can better understand how important the stunt performers are to big and small screen productions. Join me, John Orty, every Wednesday for the podcast and every Friday for the YouTube episode. Action Movie Secrets every week when we go behind the stunts. Find it wherever you find your podcasts. So yeah, they go to this truck stop where the guys realise they've bitten off far more they can chew and they call the doctor in who comes and tells them, you know what's really going on and in that in that brilliant moment you know says like you guys didn't even know who you've taken do you you know and and the ramifications of what they've done yeah absolutely and then at the same time you've got jimmy khan comes into the movie he's sort of the winston wolf of the piece isn't he to uh <laughs> and he comes in and he's dressing down the bodyguards who are sassing him and he looks like he's just walked straight off the golf course and his <laughs> lovely slacks and he's got big boomer energy and he's like, we've fought a war. <laughs> he's got big, I was in Nam energy. <laughs> um, but it works for him, it's good. And yeah, he's not taking any shit off these young upstart bodyguards. I love it. I really like this scene. It's really well acted, really well um, re- well written. Um, and um, I love the way that Khan is completely unfussed by, you know, sort of cramping these young bucks style. You know, he's yeah. when they step to him and stuff, he's, you know, he just, he's totally unflustered. I love it. Well, he's world weary, isn't he? And the, uh, they made a big point of, uh, so uh, Khan said that, um, you know, a guy working in this industry who's got to this age and isn't dead. He's a survivor. So I wanted to emphasize, like, he's got these really visible scars around his neck mm. and whatnot. I don't know if they're actually his scars or not, or if they've been accentuated through makeup or what have you. But yeah, it's a really good choice. And it's little subtle character things like that that really make the difference and give it, make him more of a three dimensional character because he just sort of pops in and out of the movie, doesn't he? Mm. He's like, yeah, this needs fixing. Go and sort this out. Yeah, he's very much the... Well, he's the bag man, isn't he? Yeah, mm. he just emerges from the shadows every now and again. Just oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. So great. Drops a clinic and then off he goes again. Because <laughs> <laughs> he does that when he sees um, Del Toro and Felipe, doesn't he? The truck stop, he just appears, doesn't he? To sort of offer them a deal, doesn't he? Where he's like, right, you, you want this ransom of whatever they've said. It's like $15 million or whatever. And he goes and goes, right, we'll give you $1 million and you can just leave now and leave the girl with me and i well would have taken that deal that is a good that solid is, deal. yeah yeah. 
Yeah, you don't have to be going making um, spooge deposits for some time if you take that on. Um, so would have taken. Yeah. Well, Del Toro as well, which I think is such a good little character and backstory without expressly doing backstory. He goes, well, I can't trust you because you're a bagman, which means it's going to be a double cross, which suggests that Del Toro also was once a bagman. Yeah. Yeah. At some point. Um and they have this whole philosophical sort of conversation, don't they, about the nature of being a criminal and how criminals don't actually want to... Cr- they want to be criminals, but they don't want to commit crimes. And mm. it's like, why don't you do something else? It's like, well, what would I do? And it's just layering in this really rich backstory, particularly to Del Toro's character. Yeah. That is just... It's all in the performances and in these little clues, and it's not expli- explicitly uh, said by any of the characters, but it's all there. And it's just really good. And that that's sort of why I think his performance is so good because he says so little, but everything that he says makes an impact. Yeah, really profound stuff, what he says. Yeah, he has all the best lines as well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's the Don <laughs> in this movie. He's absolutely brilliant. And I think that could be my favourite part of the movie, actually, that um, when they're at the motel and Del Toro goes for a coffee with him. You know, two guys on opposite sides. Yeah the plot essentially <laughs> meeting down the middle just to you know shoot the breeze for a little bit a bit like you know it's a little bit like you know on christmas day that story when british and german soldiers down tools to play football you know that kind of thing it feels yes. a little bit like that you know um but i love that and and this another brilliant shootout takes place here but first can i bring back in welcome back to the podcast the wonderful jeffrey lewis how good is this guy? I just love him and everything. What movie have we covered what, that yeah, Jeffrey Lewis Jeff- is Ah, well, Jeffrey Lewis is the guy who, the one of the best character intros ever of, you know, when he's putting things in the, putting guns in a in a pillowcase and spins it and then, you know, like... Uh, yeah, puts a gun to his head. It's pure suicidal. Yeah, yeah. And then the phone rings and he's like debating for ages. His performance is absolutely brilliant. He is... If I say, uh, Uncle Frankie. Oh, he's, he is. He is from uh, Double uh, from double Impact. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Also, Juliette Lewis's father. Yes. It's yeah. the rich FYR tapestry. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was so thrilled to see him in this movie and also thought he was absolutely incredible in it. That's, oh, wow. Yes, of course that's him. I knew I recognised him from somewhere and I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah, well. yeah. No, it's him. Um, the Ye of the um, single ever greatest IMDb, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> IMDb um, description, uh, which simply was, Talented and highly capable character actor Jeffrey Lewis with rustic, sometimes sour-faced looks. <laughs> it's so unacceptable. Get out, IMDb. Backhanded of all backhanded comfort. <laughs> um, but no, it's great to see him. Um, and but he's on site as well at the at the motel, isn't he? Um, yeah. Another scuzzy location that just fits this movie so great. Yeah, because they're across, uh, they're across the border, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and she's um, Felipe's bonding with her. Yeah. While he's off having a coffee with the bagman. Uh, Felipe's bonding with her, playing a bit of cards. And this softening, as you say, is happening. But she's much harder. Yeah. And she blasts a hole in the door while they're working out whether to let her go, you know. Whether to take the deal or not. Yeah, yeah. And they decide that, that there's this little... The sirens come. And they Felipe does this little 
point up into the distance yeah and then does like that to his eye like a little you know he puts uh, rings his fingers around his eye and i didn't know what that meant and they both split and it means that obviously sniper so they yeah. took a sniper position and when the the cops arrive and the the bodyguards have arrived yeah. as well and this brill shootout takes place this is what's so annoying about the opening 10 minutes because the rest of the film is so well written. Yes. And so understated. Like, you know, that not, you know, we're not, we know nothing about these guys apart from the couple of scumbags who are after a big payday. It's like, so they think they're owed it. Yeah. But they're clearly ex military. They clearly used to be bag men, violent guys, te- you know, tactically proficient in these sorts of situations. And it's never mentioned anything at all. So it's just. Why start the movie in such a sour note? <laughs> and it's, it's tonally nowhere near the rest of the film. I know. It, it's it, it, honestly a lot of people will turn it off because of that opening yeah. five minutes. It's probably why so many people actually don't like it because it's a heck of a thing to try and get over how yeah. horrible that opening those opening scenes are and the dialogue is. He makes it insurmountable to a certain. He degree, does, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, there's so many great moments and every bullet hits and zings and pops and hurts. And Juliette Lewis manages, uh, it, she's with Tay Diggs and who else? And the Doctor. And the Doctor, doctor. Pa- that's uh, it. Doctor Parker. No, no, that's... Painter. Painter, Doctor Painter. Doctor Painter. Um, <laughs> who did, you know, they keep saying, you know, I don't think I've forgotten Baltimore. And the last time I heard Baltimore was the long kiss goodnight. So I was like, you... Because she was like Charlie Baltimore, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Yeah. I can't think of great name. I know, yeah, brilliant name. Yeah, because Obex gets shot, doesn't he? By the yeah, the co- does he get shot by the cops and then Del Toro from his little sniper position? Yes, yeah. yeah. He's not dead though because they've got some torture into oh, them, which is so horrible. <laughs> Just horrendous. Really, Ugh. really horrible. Sweaty Del Toro. Oh, what sweet. Felipe says he's going to do to them again. Oh, he's no. like, but again, it's more military stuff, isn't it? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'll just keep pouring gasoline in your eyes to keep you awake. Having slit his eyes with razor blades. Yeah, and he said because he threatens to pull off his fingernails as well, doesn't he? So it's, they obviously know about like torturing techniques. So are they just two ex-military guys who? I think they're ex-like mercenaries or mm. right, yeah, wet workers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've obviously done some bad stuff. But no, they're onions. Yes. Yeah. And they, yeah, they, they tail them to a brothel, which is a lovely place to take a lady who's about to have a baby. Yeah. And there is like, <laughs> like a guy who looks so much like Cheech Marin, but isn't Cheech I know, Marin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who runs the brothel. Oh, Cheech yeah. Marin tribute. Yeah. <laughs> Choach Marin. <laughs> Spooge Marin. <laughs> He's fuming that this pregnant woman's walking around, like putting off all of his Putting customers. off all the punters. He's out in the middle of nowhere. It's such a good name for a brothel owner, Spooge Marin. <laughs> oh dear. Anyways, right, so the baby's coming. <laughs> The baby is coming, and uh, the doc is there. Um, he's late to the baby arriving because he was like, "I just had to Where go to the, the bathroom." Was he? Was he? He was either having a massive poo, or he, he was he was in with one of the other ladies checking out the wares. Yeah, checking out the wares. Yeah, yeah. wares. 
Colin, sorry. Oh, dear. Um, and they, it, it's going to have to be a C-section, like, right now. Yeah. You know, um, and that is intense and incredibly well acted by everybody. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's just so good. And, yeah, the, the, the brothel is actually where the shootout at the end of uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid it's the same location. Yeah. Oh, so, cool! Yeah. Yeah, and the really character good. names of Longbow and uh, Parker are both inspired by the actual character names of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So nice, clear nods there from Macquarie. Big time nods, yeah. And yeah, this is this whole. So yeah, basically, just a huge shootout takes place with all these wheezing old bag men. Yeah, yeah. I had to turn it down. <laughs> it was so loud. I was like waking yeah. up the neighbourhood by. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you want, isn't it? It's like the gun's so loud, like again, like to invoke heat or even yeah. collateral Michael Mann films. It's like mm. the guns are so loud in those movies. It's brilliant. The, the way that, that um, Longbow and Parker are, are, are sort of stalking this brothel yeah. with such precision. Um, and obviously, they find the room. We, we kind of missed, I think, because I think the bagman shows up. Um, just before they go in, I think is that right? And um, they yeah. they see that the you know the, the baby's coming. You know the, the yeah, yeah. cesarean midway through here, and Tay Diggs hides behind the doctor. The doctor being the only you know chance. Um, yeah. After a bit of a gunfight in which Spooge Marin gets shot, <laughs> shot by Tay Diggs, who's on his yes. team. <laughs> and um, the 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 doc. I mean, it's not a heel turn, but it's it could it's as surprising as a heel turn. Yeah, I mean, it has been set up that he keeps a gun in the bag because oh, I missed that. Ryan Felipe hit him with it at the truck stop. Earlier. Oh yes, I forgot loads about that, and turns and shoots him in the neck, and it's it's super. Oh, well, it's not super what yeah. happens to him, but I just the way Diggs, he it, yeah, he does. But the way Diggs <laughs> is because of course he's cheating on Mister Chidduck with Chidduck's oh, wife, yeah. and yeah. he's after the money as well. He is, yeah. Yeah, they formulate a plan, don't they? Him and Obex to like take the ransom money for themselves. Yeah. Naughty boys everywhere. Everybody. Um, and um two weeks detention for the <laughs> And he he bleeds out while staring at Del Toro, doesn't he? Which is yeah, it's yeah. such a great moment. And that that brilliant like thematic dichotomy of having the Death in the room, but also birth in the room. Life and death yeah, in the yeah. room all at once is such an uneasy, mad balance. Yeah. And yes, it's bagman time. Yeah, and uh, Felipe and uh, Del Toro have to take out Jimmy Khan and his bowls team. <laughs> 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 but I liked this. It reminded me of um, at Casino, you know, of Casino when Joe Pesci and his brother are beaten to death oh, by, all those old yeah. ga- by all those old clubbers. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> it is. These would be Jimmy Khan's guys, wouldn't they? They're yeah. all the same age as him. They're all wheezing. I'm sure one had like an emphysema tank that he was dragging around. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and again, they stack all the money in the um, in the fountain, don't they, for them to uh, yeah to tempt them out, and then yeah. it's just like the Alamo, isn't it? It's just it's just amazing, non-stop yeah. gunfire, brilliantly shot, yeah. And they, but they do stop to have this brilliant little drink at a bar, don't they? You know, yeah, like, yeah. have a quick snifter. And then there's that great line, obviously, there's always free cheese in a mousetrap as they're staring at this. And they know they're going out to, essentially, they're doomed. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I love they that. do know it's bait, don't they? But they just, they're just like, well, we've come this far, we may as well yeah. give it a whirl. <laughs> we've got nothing else <laughs> to live for. <laughs> uh, we either kill everybody and get out with the money or we get shot. There's no yeah. There's no in between. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what it's just a great shootout. I absolutely love it. I love that. Um, Brilliant. Amazing what he's achieved on such a relatively small oh, yeah. budget. You know, less than $10 million production budget. And it looks big and expensive and mm. it's because of the I think it's because of the focus on realism as well like in terms of the um the practical approach to all of it even though there's only like maybe six OAPs who they're fighting <laughs> in the courtyard <laughs> but they clearly know what they're doing as well though don't they, they know what they're doing as well yeah experienced yeah <laughs> yeah old heads Apart from that one guy who get, he behind a gets pillar, shot in the which dick. gets just <laughs> just a sprayer with a shotgun right in the balls. Squib City all over his. his you could just see his his like packed into his trousers. His lovely plaid trousers. Yes. <laughs> the front of his slacks explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a pinpoint shot as well, like right in the stones. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, there's the other fella who's hiding behind the pillar, and the pillar gets absolutely destroyed. So he he looks out, and they're like, "All right, okay, okay," and then turns around, and they're just gets shot to absolute pieces. Yeah, squibs all over his beige outfit. <laughs> yeah, and both. Um... Parker and Longbow are taking, like, not not uh, critical wounds, but plenty of like just yeah. shots to like the shoulders and the legs. And, They're getting hurt. Yeah, it gradually stacks up, doesn't it? And uh, they get they manage to get in the money, which the old timers have littered with broken bottles. Oh, it's awful! When Absolutely awful. dies for covering there and just splits his entire arm open again, but brilliant prosthetic. Yeah, really mm, good. Brilliant makeup work. Because um, that looked like it really flipping hurt, that. Yeah, for sure. A horrid. And then they're dragging this huge <laughs> bag of money back again. And, like, <laughs> Jimmy Khan's the last man standing, isn't he? he? Puts them both down. Oh, it's so great. In the legs as well. You know, they've got bad wounds elsewhere. Yeah. He knows they're bleeding out anyway. Yeah. yeah, he just puts them down so he can get away. And his last words... Oh, no, there's, there's the brilliant word are, uh, I'm the bag man. You know, where he just acknowledges... I'm the bag man, you know? Yeah. And then also, um, until that day, until that day, from Del Toro yeah. on the floor, and until that day, he's got the thingy over his arm. Yeah. But that is just after Juliette Lewis has the baby off screen yes. up in the room, and the ambulance arrives. Are they in, up, in on it? Because they take some bags of cash. Oh, yeah, they're loving it. Yeah, they've been paid off. Yeah, yeah. they're having a great time. Jimmy Khan gets to meet his grandson. Yes, this is it. I mean, I don't know. Did he know she was doing this? Being a surrogate? I, I think yes. I choose yes. And then he's found out that it's uh, actually his biological grandson, not, yes. you know, not the, um, not the, um, the Chidix embryo. Yes. So, yeah, that, so the inference is, is that he's going to go and take her and Dr. Painter and they're going to go off into the sunset. Yes. Who jolly knows? Um, it ends with a big crane up, <laughs> crane shot over Spooge McDuck's yep. mansion. <laughs> and he's he, 
and a bit more monologue, which I think the monologue stuff is the pretentious bit in the movie. You know, if you're going to yeah, say it's yeah, pretentious, yeah, the, voice it's the, monologue. Over, yeah. the voiceover in monologue stuff is pretentious. And it's like, and it's Felipe, like, I'm not begging for forgiveness, you know, like, oh, well, whatever, yeah. you know, we don't need They this. definitely die, don't they? They yeah, bleed out there. we don't need there. this. We don't need this. Yeah. Um, you're dead. You've scumbag. You sort of yeah. what you deserve, really. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and um, the movie ends on that weird note, the Chidduck's. I thought yeah. she was carrying a baby. Is she not carrying a baby at the very end? No, she's not. She's just walking. It's in like silhouette, isn't it? Yeah. And she's walking across like this, you know, this has got this great vista outside and she announces that she's pregnant. But I think it puts a perfect button on it because obviously it's been established in the second act that she's having an affair with Tay Diggs's character. Yes. So it is not Chidduck's, uh, male Chidduck's baby. Yes. It will be Tay Diggs's. Sheesh. So it's a nice little, nice little tw- rug pull. Couldn't help himself, could he? he had to just flipping egg. Put a nice little <laughs> twist in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the movie ends with this really cool score. Uh, just a, a quick note on the score. I really liked it. <laughs> it was loads of fun. Good, yeah. yeah, really loads of fun. Um, so yeah, should we do some best bits? Absolutely. Go for it. Uh, yeah, for me, I mean, we we talked about it in quite a lot of detail, so I wouldn't dwell on it again, but the incredibly slow car chase down the tight alleys, it's mm. just ingenious stuff. Never seen anything like it before or since, to be honest. It's just so precise, really odd and properly enthralling, and it's just really great filmmaking uh, that would have cost like a fraction of a high-speed chase and be just as exciting as that. And since we just mentioned it, the old man getting shot in the dick as well was really funny. Massively <laughs> <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> cool. So what about you? Uh, I, I really just love the, the sort of game of cat and mouse they have in the cars after they after they first kidnap Robin. Mm. And I just love those little bit where they keep like slowing down and easing the car along with the feet out and then the the bodyguards copy you know do the same thing to try and get the drop on him and i just love that like constant to and fro of that Mm. little car chase yeah it's it's... a standout scene of the movie isn't it for sure it's brilliant yeah yeah it's really smartly done and something which felt really original as well like a you know car chase is usually as fast as possible riding through cardboard boxes things like that whereas this <laughs> was a very windows. yeah <laughs> but this but this was a really like it was a chase in a different respect like not yeah. a high speed chase just a a chase of of, of wits really and I, yeah i thought it was a really good cat and mouse bit that so yeah that was my favorite bit cool um for me i'm gonna go with uh just the end of the meeting between khan and del toro um they've had this lovely chat um and they step outside and he gives one more chance, doesn't he, Khan, to, for him to take the money. And he doesn't take it. And they shake. There was this really warm shake and go their separate ways. And in, almost immediately, the, that conviviality is dropped. And Del Toro spins with his gun out, ready to draw, you know. And Khan's already gone. He's already in the wind. And it's just, oh, like, oh, movie magic, you know, like just a great scene, a great moment. I just really loved it. Um, that these people who could be so opposed in their objectives could be, you know, pause for a moment. And then as soon as it's, yeah, as soon as they've had the moment, boom, we're straight back at odds. I really liked it. Um, So FYR, for your reconsideration, the way of the gun. James, what do you think? Yeah, I I would say yes. So the things I love about the film, you know, uh, the suspenseful, brilliantly choreographed 
gun battles, the score, the plot, and the performances from Del Toro, Khan, and Lewis far outweigh the sort of edgelord dialogue in the first 10 minutes. Felipe's what I consider to be not up to par performance and the pretentious sort of voiceover that he gets saddled with. Um, it's a throwback crime thriller about bad dudes doing bad stuff. The skills that would make uh, Macquarie one of the best action directors currently working are all present and correct, even if his ability to cut useless scenes isn't quite as attuned at this point. Uh, if you like nasty crime movies where practically everyone is a right bastard, which I very much do, uh, you'll have an enjoyable time with The Way of the Gun in spite of its flaws. So yeah, I'd definitely recommend it if you if you have Amazon and you can rent it from there because that's the only place you can get it unless you find it in a charity shop or on eBay <laughs> or something. It's true. Um, cool. Uh, no, I'm glad glad to hear. Hi, what about you? Yeah, so I, I found the way of the gun to be a great directorial debut effort from Chris McQuarrie. It's got some wonderfully raucous and eardrum splitting gunfights. And just everyone was great, like delivering this oftentimes poetic script, which dipped in and out of brilliance and then sometimes over elaborate nonsense. And admittedly, I did find the story, it got a little bit tied in knots here and there with all the various reveals and all the rug pulls and whatnot. It seemed it was like one or two too many for me. Add into that opening sequence, you kind of get the feeling that Macquarie was potentially overwritten this one a bit. Alas, though, you know, I, I found it to be almost faultless from a technical standpoint. And, and a directing standpoint with so much to enjoy. It looks great for the low budget. I've I've spoken many times before about like my fondness for for these like modern stories of like mid country Americana, like Hell or High Water and Winter's Bone and Blue Ruin and the films of um, S. Craig Zala. And and I would say this is more of a precursor to those types of movies rather than the Tarantino ripoff it's often accused of being. I, I think yeah. it's a lot fairer to look at it in a in a film that has inspired modern movies rather than one that's riffing off films that came before it. So yeah, I saw a lot of things the things I like about those movies I saw in this film quite a lot and that's why I really liked it and would say yes to reconsideration. Cool. I just agree with everything you've said, um, guys. Um, it's, it is a resounding yes for me. No surprise, really, because it was my pick. But yes, it's convoluted. Yes, it's a bit too clever for itself at times. Um, but there's so much great stuff here. So much great stuff. Some incredible dialogue uh, interspersed with, you know, some less incredible dialogue. <laughs> um, some truly wonderful scenes and really ace performances. Um, but, y you know... Uh, you still have to overlook, I'm afraid, the stupid basement gutter level opening five minutes, <laughs> which are really that bad. And it's aside from that, it's stick with it. Please forget that you saw that and stick with it. You could even start the movie five minutes in, because the rest yeah, you're of not it gonna is, you're not gonna lose. You're not gonna miss a thing. The rest of it is basically forward it along until you see Benicio del Toro and Ryan Felipe reading Hustler magazine in the waiting room <laughs> of the go. sperm bank and start from there. There you go, because that's where the movie starts. <laughs> and you'll have, I promise you, you'll have a much better time as well <laughs> than trying to stomach and equate and make peace with what you've just seen. Uh, I just heard. couldn't get my head around it. It just makes no sense. Aside from that, the rest of the movie is superlative. It's, uh, it's, really it's elite-level filmmaking in every single way. 
so yeah, just forget the opening five minutes and swill your pants off for the rest of it. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't even think that makes sense. But that's three yeses, folks. Lovely. Um, yes. Thank you very much for enjoying the way of the gun, fellas. Um, whose turn is it next time? Is it yours, James? It is mine. Yes. And what have you got? So, um, I think you're, you guys will remember when we first started this podcast around uh, 2019, uh, we did record an episode. And, and look, I don't want to point any fingers at anybody, but <laughs> someone fucked it right up and their side of the conversation didn't record. So as such, we spent two hours discussing a movie and then we were unable to release the episode. <laughs> so, you know, nobody's fault. Like, just water under the bridge. Anyway, it's been three. I've just looked at my letterbox and it's three years since we... Wow, is it? And it happens to be the 25th anniversary <sighs> of this particular film. Oh, so we're going to do Paul Thomas Anderson's, I mean, Paul W.S. Anderson's Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. Because yeah. this is like the lost tapes the of lost FYI. Episode, yes. The lost episode, yeah. yeah so, I wonder if yeah. I could reuse my notes. <laughs> 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 oh no, that's great! I'm, I'm I could reuse my audio if I hadn't fucked it right. Up and lost it. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna uh, search and, and do my what have I been watching from when we, we originally did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so great! So yeah, I think it's time to bring that one. Absolutely oh, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Um, oh, brilliant! I'm really excited. Um, well, super stuff, fellas. Um, see you next time for Event Horizon, and listeners, we'll see you next time. Yeah, it'll probably be September, won't it? I would think so. Be September now, I would think, with Simon doing his nuptials and going away on a lovely honeymoon. Yes, afterwards, um, I, so. I'm not sure I would be allowed to record whilst on my honeymoon. There's going to be that's going to cause problems for the marriage straight away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see you guys, see everyone in September, and we'll try and be a bit more frequent where we can. We're busy boys, what can we say? Yes, thanks for your patience, because we it has been very, uh, very sporadic. But we still have great fun doing this, and I hope you still have a great yeah. time listening while it pop while it pops up. And we got a bumper episode this time. We got two movies. Yes, yeah. this is very true. Very true. This is very true. Um, and and on that topic again. Um, Happy wedding, Sai. Is that an expression people use? Yes. Yeah. Happy wedding. Thank you very much. All the best. Gorgeous. Acting like I won't be there. I will be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, tune in next time, then, folks, for Event Horizon. Uh, please uh, chat us up on the Twitters. Um, I always say chat us up. It's not a good phrase, is it? I, it just comes out. Um, no, yeah, chat us up. Definitely chat us up. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to get it. some. I want we'll get some approaches at the bar. <laughs> oh, jingle old devil. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right then. Chat us up. Hit us up with your best lines on Twitter. Come on. Um, swipe right, left, up. <laughs> right, this metaphor has absolutely been butchered. Um, just just <laughs> chat with us, for God's sake. <laughs> and um, yeah, be good to each other. Enjoy life. Stay safe. Uh, stay cool. It's going to be hot, isn't it? Yeah, it's apparently. Um, and peace and love. Um, say goodbye, boys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. <laughs> Just the wardrobe department for this film was from TJ Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. British Pre- home stores. Pre-packed squibs in the uh, <laughs> In the grits. <laughs> Fair play to that old fella taking one right in the knackers as well. I know. Uh, absolute age. G.
Oh, dear. <laughs> Shredded. Shredded. <laughs>